This is likely to be the strangest episode yet recorded in this podcast series. I say it's strange, partly because it connects some dots that you probably haven't seen or heard connected before, but it's also strange because it may leave you with a sense of incompleteness. I'm pretty sure I'm onto something in this episode, but I also know that the roadmap to making it real or making it concrete may not be very clear. So you may have a sense at the end that there's some unfinished business, and I would say that you're probably right. This is the episode where I'm going to ask for your help as the listener on thinking through how far you can take this theme. So here we go. In the Swedish thriller, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, there are some scenes that are pretty disturbing. In fact, if you're the sort of person who's easily disturbed, you might want to skip this episode because of how it begins. Anyway, in this thriller, a serial killer named Martin Wanger traps this journalist and is about to strangle him. Before he does, the serial killer weirdly confides to the victim that the satisfying part of murder is the moment when he sees the victim lose any last hope of surviving. So this guy, Martin Wanger, actually says, quote, I love seeing their disappointment when they realize they are not going to get away, when their eyes switch off, close quote. Now just think about that. A character who takes that much satisfaction from seeing another human lose all hope. So speaking as a benevolent person or as a humanist, wouldn't you say that seems like a pretty good model, maybe even a definition of evil? I saw a rerun of this movie right after leading some group sessions on work culture. And here's the dots that are going to seem strange to be connecting. Anyway, while I was leading these group sessions on work culture, we were talking about behaviors that tend to raise someone's influence on work outcomes. How the individual's not a passive object of the workplace climate, but can actually influence the climate in pretty important ways. Now, I have to say, I tend to be overly optimistic. I can be the king of the false positive. Back to that old saying, don't count your chickens before they've hatched. I tend to do that a lot. But even so, I'm pretty sure I saw a number of people who looked as if some lights were coming on as they were in these conversations, meaning they were seeing new opportunities for what I call self-agency, new points of control or at least influence over their own work life. Now think again about the amount of time you spend working, about how if the workplace is not satisfying, it's pretty hard to have a satisfying life. But it's often unclear to many of us how we can affect our own experience of work. It slowly becomes like the saying, it is what it is. And when we get to that place, it's a kind of helplessness, or even a kind of, I would say, subdued hopelessness. Not quite as bad, of course, as the hopelessness of a strangulation victim who finally sees there's no chance of escape, but still a kind of hopelessness that this is it. You see this kind of thing on certain bumper stickers, like, quote-unquote, life sucks and then you die, close quote. But of course, there are lots of people who realize that's not true, 
or at least it doesn't have to be true. Let's turn now to leadership. We've heard and read from many sources that leaders are, quote-unquote, dealers in hope. But what does that mean? We certainly don't mean false hope. That's the work of charlatans and cult leaders, or even well-intentioned cheerleaders who don't know what they're talking about. Real leaders deal in reality-based hope. But I would suggest we also don't mean passive hope, like the weather should be better tomorrow, or grandma's bringing cookies at three. I would say the best leaders inspire a new consciousness of how others can drive the results they want to drive. Real leaders awaken or reawaken an individual's sense of self-agency in how he can grow his own impact at work and improve the environment that he encounters there. I'll give you an example. Early in my legal career, I had had a frustrating year, and I was talking to my father about feeling stuck and maybe a little unconfident. My dad thought about it for a minute and said, you know, I've never seen you fail at something you really committed to. That was a real eye-opener. I quite consciously recommitted to some things I was doing at work, and I began to experience a much higher level of success. Here's another example. I remember back around 1998, a lot of the senior management group at our company, we were feeling a level of frustration about recent results. We'd sort of felt we were, I guess the sailing equivalent would be becalmed. We just didn't have the momentum that we would have thought we were going to have. And I remember Jay LaPere saying, you know, whatever we don't like about our current situation is based on decisions that we've made. So if we don't like it, let's just reflect on those decisions and start making better ones. Now, this may sound simplistic, and obviously we had to do some hard thinking about our next round of decisions. But maybe you can see how liberating that comment was, this reassignment of responsibility for our outcomes to us. It might sound like blame, but actually it had the opposite effect, a new sense of self-responsibility that sort of got us going again. I said at the beginning of this episode that it would have a sense of incompleteness. You'll notice that I've only given two concrete examples of someone restoring someone else's sense of self-agency. So if you're still listening, you might be thinking, yep, I like the theme, but I'm not sure where to go with this. And I understand that. Here's one suggestion. When you notice someone doing something positive, you might not see any value in saying so. I would suggest to you there's tremendous value in that. Most people underestimate their own impact on other people, especially when they're doing something positive. For example, my dad has no memory of giving the helpful advice that I talked about a few minutes ago. And I often find that Jay LaPere doesn't always recall some of the remarkable things that he has said. People tend to underestimate their influence on other people. But when you notice someone doing something positive, especially something that you see having a positive impact on others, you may be reawakening their own awareness of their impact, and it's worth saying so even if you get a dismissive or modest response. So that's a pretty good start. Just saying things like, I noticed when you did this, and here's the impact that it had. You might be influencing people more than you think when you try that. And beyond that, I leave it to you. 
Are you an aspiring leader? A lot of people are, but a lot of people don't know how. I would suggest to you that this is how, and it takes imagination and thoughtfulness to apply it, but this is it.